0: Most of you probably know that I work in technology for the school district. And so when I was preparing for this teaching, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to use technology. Like, I'm not going to do it. I do it every day. But I could not not do it. Like, it's just part of who I am. And so I told Pastor, it's part of my personality. It's part of what I love to do. It helps me to stay focused. It just, it helps me to connect with what I'm doing. Thank you, Minister Al. So first of all, um, what I've learned from the Friday night teachings is that each time someone comes up, we learn more about that person. We learn things about them that we didn't know. And so this is my opportunity to share a little bit about myself. Uh, Those that do know me know that I'm actually really a private person. So um, I don't share a lot with a lot of people, but, and I would much rather not be seen. I would much rather stay in the background. But the whole point of teaching, this whole point of learning, is to expose yourself and to be vulnerable, right? And so a little bit about me is that I do love to tell stories, though. (laughs) I love to tell stories Um, I really am a nerd. And when I say I really am a nerd, that just means like, I just like all quirky things and new information and random ways to do things and life hacks, right? So, I really am. Um, And then I'm a master remixer, not in the way that Shamir Janil, right? Not a remixer in music, not a remixer with lyrics, but I'm a master remixer, meaning that I always like to take something and remix it, no matter what it is. Right? So if someone gives me a strategy, if someone gives me a recipe, if someone gives me whatever, I take it and I flip it (laughs) always. Right. And then I try to find the best way to use it in a new way to help others. Okay. So (laughs) if you notice on your device, as I am advancing the slide, it should be advancing on your device. So you cannot advance it on your own. I advance it. So, even if you don't have your device, you can look up on the screen. It's not mandatory that you join the session. I would like for you to join it because there are gonna be some questions that are gonna pop up, and I would like to have your feedback and your input. Okay. Alrighty, that was on the piece of paper. Let me pause. Who is not in the session? Okay, so on your device, you're gonna use the little white piece of paper. And it says, go to nearpod.com. When you go to the website, it's going to ha- ask you for a join code. That join code is on the little piece of paper. I'll give you guys a couple <laughs> minutes. If you need some extra help, my assistant, Ani, will help you. Now is everyone in? Does anyone still need help? Alrighty, so I'm gonna tell you a little story. Earlier this week, actually let me start my timer. So has anyone ever had um like clogged ears? Like where you feel like some your ears are clogged and you can barely hear, right? You know that feeling? Can you, Really, so I've kind of been struggling with this. And the last few months, like, I've been having this problem of even when I go to sleep, like, I'm like, I wake up, I'm cleaning my ears, and I clean my ears, like, regular, and I know you're not supposed to stick things in them, and I know you're not supposed to do all these things. So I was trying to do, you know, natural ways of fixing it. I was putting warm olive oil, you know, um, the sweet oil in my ear, laying on a peroxide, I was doing all those things. I even went to the store, and I bought an ear wash kit. Right, has anyone ever used those at home? So the air wash kit, it's a little syringe and you put some solution in it, like warm water. Or you can add, you can make like a solution out of peroxide and warm water. You put it in the syringe, you put it in your ear and you squeeze it. And it's supposed to flush out your ear. So if you have any, you know, built up air wax, if you have any, you know, toxins in your ear then it flushes it out. So, of course I researched this, right? Watched a couple of YouTube videos. And it said how to do it. So I was doing this multiple times. Still wasn't helping. My right ear, I was like, gosh, it's really irritating, especially throughout the day, because you kind of feel a little foggy, right? I've never had an ear infection. I wasn't sick. I didn't have any sinuses. I went to the doctor. I told him I was having this problem. So this past Monday, I went to the doctor, and I went to see her for a number of things. But I was telling her about this, about my ears. So she said, well, let me look into your ears. So she looks in, and she goes, oh, well, you have a lot of buildup in your left ear. And I said, my left ear? I was like, what is my right ear that I'm having problems with? And she was like, no, I can see your eardrum on the right. She was like, but on the left, she was like, there's like earwax right there. She's like, and it's covering your eardrum. And I said, oh, she's like, well, I'll just have a nurse come in to clean it out for you. And I said, okay. So, so the nurse comes in and she has this syringe and she mixes this solution with peroxide. And then she sticks the syringe, but the syringe had, it wasn't like a regular syringe. It actually almost had a pointy end, right? And I was like, Oh, you're about to stick that in my ear. So when she put it in there, it actually felt like it was poking, and I kept, you know, kind of wincing. But I just, I said, okay, let me let her do it, right? And so she's doing it, and as she's pushing the water in there, it's hurting, like it's so tender. And I'm, I'm like doing like this, she said, are you okay? She's like, you're just sensitive, and I was like... No, you're hurting me. Like, so she said she tried it again. wasn't really working. She was like, it's not loosening up. Let me, let me go get the doctor. I said, okay. So she goes to get the doctor. The doctor comes in. And then the doctor did it. And when she put the syringe in, it didn't hurt. And I said, okay. So she's pushing the water in there, and she's flushing. She's like, I have to keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it. And then eventually it started loosening up. And then she says, now I can actually kind of see your eardrum a little bit. And so then, she said, so then the nurse said, oh, I must not have been doing it correctly. She was like, so then the doctor left, and then the nurse came back. And the nurse says, okay, now I got it. So then she started doing it, and she was more gentle. It didn't hurt that time, right? And so she kept flushing. She kept flushing it. My ear was still really tender, but she eventually got it out. She goes, now I can see your eardrum completely. Now, anybody that's ever had that done, as they're doing it, you get dizzy because your equilibrium gets messed up right, because it's in your inner ear. So, of course, the, at the very beginning, I was really dizzy. Like, they had to keep, she had to keep stopping, because she was like, are you okay? And I was like, no. <laughs> but I was just really, really dizzy. So, but once she got it flushed out, then I was good. Why am I telling you this? Well, there's some key terms that I talked about in the story. The water, right, that she had to use to clean. The syringe, which was the instrument used to deliver the water the earwax, the nurse, and the doctor. Now the water, we know represents the washing of the word, right? Repentance, we need that. The syringe, which is the instrument, or let's say the vessel that's being used to deliver the word, that could come through people, it could be through a book, it could be through a pastor, a teacher, right? But then the earwax, I had to think about this. What did the earwax really represent? Because we actually need earwax. But you can't have too much of it because if it's too much, then you have an infection. But you need some of it because it actually has antibacterial and antifungal properties. So you need some, right? So the earwax, to me, represents our temperament, our character. So you need some of it. You need your own personal temperament, but you can't have too much because if it's too much, then you become infected. If it's too much, then you become puffed up, you have pride, right? So the nurse, to me, represented someone wants to help, has some experience, but they're still learning. They have good intentions, nice, but they're still learning. The doctor represents the expert, the person that actually is able to model the proper technique, that's our pastor and our teacher, yes? So that is a little story. And the reason why I bring that up is because that helped me to understand my journey here at Walker Ministries. So over the last year, I realized that I had a lot of earwax built up that I didn't even know. I had been, quote unquote, washing my mind with the word, quote unquote, you know, reading the word, studying the word the best way I knew how but I still had to build up, right? I was still unbalanced. In addition to that, you know, I wanted to make sure that you understand that I've realized that I have not, I was not clean. Remember I said I thought I was clean in my ears. I thought I was doing a good job. I really did. With all the best intentions, but I wasn't clean. So today, in this teaching, I hope that you will learn that after some very painful but necessary self-examination, I arrived at the conclusion that I really needed a detox. Of course, pastor's talking about fasting, right? Now, there's a difference between a fast and a detox or a cleanse. Typically, a detox or a cleanse is, is for a specific period of time. And you're trying to rid your body or your mind or whatever it is of something that is very harmful, a harmful substance. Okay? (laughs) Now we're going to talk about someone in the Bible that I really related to that I felt like they went through a detox process. This person in the Bible is recorded to have the longest conversation with Jesus a long conversation. So, but I have a very personal connection with this because of the different types of characteristics that this person has. You should have an activity on your screen asking you a question. The question is, how much do you know about the story of the Samaritan woman? Now, also, even though you put in your names, your responses are anonymous. And I ask you this question because sometimes we assume that people know familiar Bible stories. And it's okay if you don't. But this also is going to help me to know how much detail I really need to go into as far as the background of the story. Okay? So when you hear about that, you know, have you heard it before? You never heard of it? You could actually do a teaching on it. So if everyone could please answer. You only have 30 seconds. It should have told you that it timed out right so it looks like 50% heard it before Um, about 22% of you guys didn't get a chance to answer Um, about 6% never heard of it and 21% you guys could do a teaching on it so that's really that's a pretty good mix all right so what are the learning objectives of course we have to have some learning objectives right The learning objectives are gonna start with this. I am really big on acronyms. It helps me to remember. It helps me to connect with certain things. So when you leave here, you say, well, what what did I actually learn? So the acronym here for detox is going to be direct, evade, terminate, overcome, and execute. I need a little creative liberty with that, with the execute, right? There's (laughs) There's not too many good words that start with X. So, I'd like to use execute. The first learning objective. To direct our imagination and visualization to come into alignment with God's intended outcome for our life. Spiritually, mentally, and physically. Minister Al, can you read John chapter 4, verse 9? Amplified.
1: Reading John chapter 4 at verse 9, the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask me a Samaritan and a woman for a drink? For the Jews have nothing to do with the Samaritans.
0: Thank you. So Dr. Caroline Leaf, she says, when we imagine and visualize, we physically change the brain in the way As if we were actually doing, speaking, or living whatever it was we were imagining. Does that make sense? So, for each of the learning objectives, we're going to go through in just a couple of minutes, and I'm going to each one. We're going to talk about the unhealthy substance. We're going to talk about how I detoxed from that unhealthy substance, right? And then how you can apply it. All right. The second learning objective: evade cognitive dissonance with standing to a true belief in Christ once you've come into a genuine and intimate relationship with him. Minister Al, can you read verse 10?
1: John chapter four at verse 10, Jesus answered her, if you had only known and had recognized God's gift and who this is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him instead and he would have given you living water
0: the third learning objective, to terminate all connections, memories, and emotions from your past permanently and seize your divine future promised to you by God. Can you read verses 11 through
1: 12? verse 11, she said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with, no drawing bucket, and the well is deep. How then can you provide living water Where do you get your living water? Are you greater than and superior to our ancestor Jacob, who gave us this well, and who used to drink from it himself, and his sons and his cattle also?
0: The next learning objective, to overcome chronic fatigue and unbalance by exercising your spiritual senses to maintain your freedom from sin. Verse 15.
1: At verse 15, the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I may never get thirsty nor have to come continually all the way here to draw.
0: The last learning objective, to execute a mental and spiritual autopsy to identify the faulty thinking, traumatic experiences, analyze them, and evaluate why they occurred. Verses 17 through 18.
1: verse 17, the woman answered, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have spoken truly in saying, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands and the man you are now living with is not your husband. In this, you have spoken truly.
0: Thank you. Again, detox. Direct, evade, terminate overcome and execute. So in this first part, what I realized was my substance of choice was the faulty perception of myself after years of molestation, a volatile home environment, and bullying. So molestation, the interesting thing about molestation is that it typically is someone that you are familiar with, right? It is people that you love, you trust, For me, it was people that cared for me. People that cared for me when my mother was not caring for me. So I honestly didn't even know that there was anything wrong because it wasn't excessive, right? It wasn't rape, but it was not right. But yet what I thought was that they were just loving me. That's what I thought because they were the only love around me that I knew. So I thought, this is what you do. This is what you do when you love people. You treat them like they belong to you. I felt like I was their possession, but I was happy to be their possession because I said, well, they want me if my mom doesn't want me. Not to say that she didn't because it wasn't that way. My mom didn't abandon me, but she left me with these people One, she first got married because she was like, I'm trying to get myself together, you know. She was young. I just got married, you know. So you stay with your, you know, auntie and whoever, right? These were church-going people. They brought me up in the church. Right? To be honest with you, if they were watching this right now, they'd probably die because we never talked about it. I still go to their house when I go home to visit. The issue is that What I learned, I didn't know I was learning this, but what I learned was that this is how I associated with love. I associated with people treating me as their possession. So when people treat me as their possession, I think that they love me, right? Volatile environment. When I did move in with my mom and my stepdad, wonderful. My stepdad is wonderful, but there was a lot of, Violence, fighting. My mom's a scrapper. (laughs) Uh, That is a little bit where I get my (laughs) spunkiness from, right? Um, This is one of the things also that I associated with with the woman, you know, from Samaria. So as we read through some of the scriptures, she's very sassy, right? She feels like she can challenge Jesus. So that sass. But anyway, the volatile environment, Again, I thought it was normal. So this is what I think is normal life. But that was faulty, right? So then what I had to do, and actually, uh, Minister Al, can you read 1 Corinthians 2, verses 13 through 16?
1: 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 13 through 16. And we are setting these truths forth in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Holy Spirit, combining and interpreting spiritual truths with spiritual language to those who possess the Holy Spirit. But the natural non-spiritual man does not accept or welcome or admit into his heart the gifts and teachings and revelations of the Spirit of God, for they are folly meaningless nonsense to him and he is incapable of knowing them of progressively recognizing understanding and becoming better acquainted with them because they are spiritually discerned and estimated and appreciated but the spiritual man tries all things he examines investigates inquires into questions and discerns all things Yet is himself to be put on trial and judged by no one. He can read the meaning of everything, but no one can properly discern or appraise or get an insight into him. For who has known or understood the mind, the counsels, and purposes of the Lord, so as to guide and instruct him and give him knowledge? But we have the mind of Christ, the Messiah, and do hold the thoughts, the feelings, and purposes of his heart.
0: So this is how I detoxed myself from that. So in the scripture, the woman at the well, right, the Samaritan woman, at this time in verse 9, she was still not spiritual. She still didn't even realize her worth. She still was like, well, but why are you here? Who are you? She was still asking questions. Her, her thinking was still faulty but it was faulty because of what she thought, who she was. Why would you be here? Do you know who I am? So just to give you a slight bit of background, back then when women would go to the well, they were there for two reasons, right? Either to be found, right? You were, you were there because you were hoping that a man would come and find you and need their, their animals to be watered, right? Or it was just part of your duty. So you were going to gather water for your family. The Bible never really goes into any depth of her family. You don't hear about, does she have any children? People talk about, some theologians, they say, well, why did she have five husbands? Was she a widow? Was it because she was barren? Nobody really knows. The reality is it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because her perception was wrong. So after the detox of just the word and realizing that I had this power in me then I was able to overcome so each time I'm gonna ask you to ask yourself a couple of questions because these are the questions that I ask myself what are some of the brain pathways that you have made that need to be changed are you directing your imagination or are you allowing your flesh to direct your imagination or are you allowing people to direct your imagination or your past to direct your imagination, or media to direct your imagination, right? So the next one. And actually, let me go back, I apologize. Minister Al, can you read Ecclesiastes 3, verses 11 through 13?
1: Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He also has planted eternity in men's hearts and minds, a divinely implanted sense of purpose, working through the ages which nothing under the sun but God alone can satisfy, yet so that men cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I know that there is nothing better for them than to be glad and to get and do good as long as they live. And also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is the gift of God.
0: That's what I had to realize, was that I was the gift of God. So to evade, evade cognitive dissonance. Dissonance is... Basically when you believe something, you think something, but then there are circumstances and situations that come up that cause a conflict. So you say, well, wait a minute. I I know I believe that this is wrong, but my friends are saying, it's okay. Society says it's okay. That dissonance is that disconnect. We see this often amongst Christians. We see it even more often amongst young Christians, especially when they go off to school. And it's because they come into church every Sunday or whatever, Bible study, and they're hearing the word. But then when they get to school, they're told, well, you can believe anything you want to believe. You can grab hold to, yeah, you can say that you're a Christian, but you can still do these things. Oh, yeah. That's the distance. It's really a disconnect. So what was my substance of choice here? I was addicted to information and knowledge. I told you I'm a nerd. And those, those people that are, you know, you really like to have information, sometimes it's too much information. I'm here to tell you, you can't read every book, you can't do every study, because you will end up falling. And what happened was, I actually was still in darkness and I didn't realize it. And I realized also that I was in need of deliverance and forgiveness. So also just a side note is that when I was doing this teaching, it was my natural inclination to come at it academically right? If you notice, I haven't said this word means this and it's defined this way and the Hebrew is this and the Greek is this. I didn't do any exegesis on this and I had to stop myself. (laughs) I did. I had to stop myself because it's easy to get bogged down in that information. So that was my substance of choice. Now, Dr. Leaf also says that this cognitive dissonance occurs when what you say and do does not match what you truly think or believe. So you're saying this, but you're doing something else. Minister Al, can you read Acts chapter 26, verses 15 through 18?
1: Acts chapter 26 (laughs) at verse 15. And I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But arise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, that I might appoint you to serve as my minister and to bear witness both to what you have seen of me and to that in which I will appear to you, choosing you out, selecting you for myself, and delivering you from among this Jewish people, and the Gentiles to whom I am sending you, to open their eyes that they may turn from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan to God, so that they may thus receive forgiveness and release from their sins, and a place and portion among those who are consecrated and purified by faith in me.
0: So in this scripture, it parallels verse 10. And minister, Al, can you go back and read verse, uh, John chapter four, verse 10 for me, please? Because at this time, Paul is defending himself against King Agrippa. He's saying, well, you knew who I was. You know, I used to persecute the church, but now I'm telling you that you need to have a real relationship with Christ. So he's kind of defending himself, but at the same time he's evangelizing and trying to really tell him what he needs to have, which is this intimate relationship with Christ. But that he doesn't want the people to still be in darkness, but that they would actually be delivered and understand true forgiveness. Minister Al, verse John 4 and 10.
1: Jesus answered her if you had only known and had recognized God's gift and who this is that is saying to you, give me a drink. You would have asked him instead, and he would have given you living water.
0: Part of my detox process for this was really understanding what it meant to have Holy Spirit, and what that meant in reality. So I remember when I first came here, and I used to always hear teachers say, in reality. In reality. I say, like, why does she keep saying that? <laughs> why does she say that word, in reality? Like, aren't we in reality? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But we're not, like the reality of eternity is the difference. The reality of really who God is, not what we think, but what it truly is. And so it wasn't until I came into that reality that I was able to detox from the overload of information. It wasn't until then that I was able to feel like, oh yeah, I am delivered. I am forgiven, right? questions that I would like for you to ask yourself do you have any dissonance at your job conflicted are you saying one thing but it's not really what you believe are you conflicted with your friends are you conflicted with your online profile are you conflicted in your home with your relationships with your family are you conflicted when you go on vacation what stays in Mexico, what happens in Mexico stays in Mexico, right? Is that what we do? That's cognitive dissonance. Now does this dissonance prevent you from sharing the gospel? It absolutely does. Even if you don't think that it does because the reality is that we are living epistles. So we're sharing the gospel everywhere we go, everywhere we walk. So if you are conflicted and people see the conflict, Then they're not gonna accept the gospel because it's not real. It's false. Terminating all connections, memories, and emotions from your past permanently and seize your divine future promised to you by God. Minister Al, can you please read 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9?
1: 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. The Lord does not delay and is not tardy or slow about what he promises, according to some people's conception of slowness. But he is long-suffering, extraordinarily patient toward you, not desiring that any should perish, but that all should turn to repentance.
0: So my substance of choice here was my confidence in my religion. And my upbringing. So I grew up in the church. I was like, I grew up in the church. I just came from a holiness church. I got this thing down. That's what we say. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We, we know the word. Okay? But then all, another substance of choice is that insecurity. That's the connection with just feeling like, well, you're not enough. You can't achieve this. You can't be like this person. That's just the anointed ones. They're chosen. You'll never be like intercessor feet. You'll never pray like that. Right? You won't be bold like T. That's not you. You weren't chosen. Because that's how I grew up. It was, it was kind of like, you know, well, it was just these people over here, but not you. But what I realized was that that's not the word of God. Amen. Minister Al, can you read 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1?
1: Second Corinthians chapter seven and verse one. Therefore, since these great promises are ours, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that contaminates and defiles body and spirit, and bring our consecration to completeness in the reverential fear of God.
0: I love that scripture. So when you realize what the actual promises of God are and that they can apply to you, when I realized that I had full access, I have, we all, we all have full access. It is available to everyone. But part of that access now is not just given, like thrown out like candy. You must strive to live this life. That is worthy the consecrated life that Pastor was talking about. right? right? Minister Al, can you please read First John verse 3 uh, 1 through four?
1: First John chapter three at, at verse one. "See what an incredible quality of love the Father has given, has shown bestowed on us, that we should be permitted to be named and called and counted the children of God. And so we are. The reason that the world does not know, recognize, acknowledge us, is that it does not know, recognize, or acknowledge Him. Beloved, we are even here and now God's children. It is not yet disclosed, made clear, what we shall be hereafter. But we know that when He comes and is manifested, We shall, as God's children, resemble and be like him, for we shall see him just as he really is. And everyone who has this hope resting on him cleanses, purifies himself, just as he is pure, chaste, undefiled, guiltless. Everyone who commits or practices sin is guilty of lawlessness, for that is what sin is, lawlessness. The breaking, the violating of God's law by transgression or neglect, being unrestrained and unregulated by his commands and his will.
0: Don't you think that woman, that she felt like she was living a life of lawlessness? So, Minister Al, can you jump back to John 4, verses 11 through 12? Because I want you to see her transition as well. Right? So because she's trying to figure out, how did I get to this spot? So can you read those two verses for me, please?
1: John chapter 4 at verse 11. She said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with, no drawing bucket, and the well is deep.
0: Pause how- right there. That, that was her religion, right? That, that was her culture. She said, what you mean? Nobody comes to the well with no bucket. See how she got real sassy like that? She said, what you doing here with no bucket?
1: <laughs> come on, come
0: on. <laughs> that was her culture she was confident because that's how she was brought up this is what you do right and she's like I, n- I know you're not here for for me so what you doing here go ahead minister
1: how then can you provide living water where do you get your living water
0: but then Are she you- was curious go ahead
1: Are you greater than and superior to our ancestor Jacob, who gave us this well, and who used to drink from it himself, and his sons and his cattle also?
0: Yeah, again, she's throwing out her knowledge. Like, you're not better than Father Jacob. But she was wrong. Now, the questions I want you to ask yourself here, how do you see yourself? How do you see others? Do you know your worth according to God? Overcome chronic fatigue and unbalance by exercising our spiritual senses to maintain our freedom from sin. My substance of choice here. Lack of self-control to preserve my senses. Pastor already talked about it, of course. Right? Our flesh. So, (laughs) it is, I did not do a very diligent job of preserving my spiritual senses. And because of that, I had dull hearing. Right? That dull hearing leads to sin. Right? Now... Out of all the five senses, I'm going to talk about mostly about hearing. But in the, when you have a dull hearing, this means that you are slow to believe. So then you can't apprehend spiritual things. Your memory is weak. And you are weak because you are what? Malnutritioned. You are malnutritioned because your appetite is wrong. It's right here on the paper. Appetite, the words with it. So, what do you have an appetite for? What did I have an appetite for? I found myself in a position where my appetite had shifted in the blink of an eye, like that. I was eating healthy, right? On a good foot, yeah? felt good about myself, felt like I had discipline, felt like I had the self control, but I was not preserving all of my senses. So I was open and what happened was sin came in. Now minister Al, can you read Hebrews five verses 11 through 14?
1: Hebrews chapter 5 at verse 11. Concerning this, we have much to say, which is hard to explain, since you have become dull in your spiritual hearing and sluggish, even slothful in achieving spiritual insight. For even though by this time you ought to be teaching others, you actually need someone to teach you over again the very first principles of God's word. You have come to need milk, not solid food. For everyone who continues to feed on milk is obviously inexperienced and unskilled in the doctrine of righteousness, of conformity to the divine will in purpose, thought, and action. For he is a mere infant, not able to talk yet. But solid food is for full-grown men for those whose senses and mental faculties are trained by practice to discriminate and distinguish between what is morally good and noble and what is evil and contrary either to divine or human law.
0: So Pastor already talked about appetite. For the sake of this conversation, I want to equate appetite to your desires that start In your mind so your appetite really comes from what have you been thinking about it really comes back to so was I thinking about am I gonna make a salad when I get home or was I thinking I'm gonna pass Wendy's on my way home so when you're thinking about that that's what you're gonna do because then when I when I hear Wendy's I think that four for four I my emotions boom fries (laughs) Right. I think fries. As soon as I think about Wendy's, I think fries, (laughs) fries and chili. So and that brings a sense of happiness, comfort. So when I get to Wendy's, even though they have excellent salads, am I going to order a salad? Because my appetite was not for salad, even though they offer it even though it's an option, but I'm not gonna choose it. So for me, and I want y'all to know that this, is, this teaching is not like something that happened to me a long time ago. This has been since I have been here, right? So with just the thought, it wasn't fleeting, that thought had an attached emotion which led to a corresponding action. When sin comes in, it dulls your senses. But there's hope. Amen. Minister, can you read 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verses 12 through 18?
1: 2 Corinthians chapter 3 at verse 12. Since we have such glorious hope, such joyful and confident expectation. We speak very freely and openly and fearlessly, nor do we act like Moses who put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze upon the finish of the vanishing splendor which had been upon it. In fact, their minds were grown hard and calloused. They had become dull and had lost the power of understanding. For until this present day, when the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, is being read, that same veil still lies on their hearts, not being lifted to reveal that in Christ it is made void and done away. Yes, down to this very day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies upon their minds and hearts. But whenever a person turns in repentance to the Lord, The veil is stripped off and taken away. Now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, emancipation from bondage, freedom. And all of us, as with unveiled face, because we continued to behold in the word of God, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, are constantly being transfigured into his very own image in ever increasing splendor and from one degree of glory to another for this comes from the Lord who is the spirit.
0: So how did I detox from those substances, which caused the fatigue, which caused the imbalance, which caused the breach? That's what it is. It's a breach, right? So now I have learned how to identify the breach. Now, when you identify a breach, you can't wait till it's right up on you. It's too late. So now I have to actually be able to identify the breach from far off. Mm -hmm. Right? And that comes from the word of God. That comes from that freedom from sin. That comes from being delivered and forgiven. So I want you to ask yourself, what do you have an appetite for? Where have your appetites led you? Do you have a wax buildup? Remember I talked about that earwax buildup that you're not even aware of? How I didn't even know that my eardrum was covered. I I thought when she said that, what do you mean it's covered? Shouldn't I have a hard time hearing? I didn't realize that I wasn't hearing properly. That is the dull of hearing. You don't even realize that you have some type of buildup in your spiritual senses. Execute a mental and spiritual autopsy to identify the faulty thinking, traumatic experiences, analyze them, and evaluate why they occurred. Minister Al, can you read John 4 verses 17 through 18?
1: John chapter 4 at verse 17. The woman answered, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have spoken truly in saying, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the man you are now living with is not your husband. In this you have spoken truly.
0: Thank you. So in this verse, she actually identified where her disease was, where her faulty. She said, You spoke in truth, right? And she realized that this was actually what was causing her to be spiritually dead. But then she allowed Jesus, to, who was the expert, to tell her what really was, because that was truth. And he confirmed her diagnosis, right? So autopsies, they're diagnostic in nature, and they're intended to aid in the process of identifying the disease that caused the patient's death. However, they also have a learning purpose for medical research, so that people can find a cure for something, right? So it can help others. So my substance of choice here is shame, guilt, ridicule, condemnation. It's easy to feel shameful about the things that you have done in your life, especially when you come into the knowledge, the true knowledge of how it grieves God. Because at the time, you didn't feel his grief. At the time, you knew God was always there, he never went anywhere. But you didn't realize that it saddened him, right? So then you feel guilty. Then you ridicule yourself. Then you condemn yourself. Someone I'm gonna tell you a little something about myself. In my former years, well first of all, it's no secret that I love children, right? <laughs> it's no secret. Um, I do, I love children. And since it's been that way since I was a young child. Like even when I was younger, I babysat early. You know, I just always taking care of babies early. Like it was just something that I did. So imagine my disbelief when I go to college and I'm in my freshman year. I was an honor roll student in high school. But then you get to college and you just lose your mind. I was a good kid. I was the good kid. I am the good kid. I am the good child. (laughs) Right? Um, I was the obedient one very much like Adriana and Ani. I was the obedient one. But then when I got outside of my parents' home, when I got outside of this restrictive area, and nobody was paying attention, nobody cared, because I was still compliant. I was still nice. I was still respectful. I was still loving. So guess what? I was right under the radar. (laughs) Like that. Okay? (laughs) I was right under the radar. Nobody was checking for me. Okay? But I was doing whatever I wanted to do. Second semester of college, I get pregnant. I did not want to tell my mother. What? You did what? But eventually, I had to tell her because I found myself in a situation. I wanted to be able to take care of it myself without having to tell her. My roommate had done it. I had gone to the clinic with my roommate twice. We were in our second semester of our freshman year. We lived in DC. I went to Howard, by the way. I went to Howard for my first two years. So in DC, there's accessible to everything. We were 18 years old, jumped on the bus, went down to Georgetown, took her to the clinic, got back on the bus. Got back to our room. Twice. But those were not that was not my story. I had to call my mother. And I had to tell her that I was pregnant. She said, well, what are you going to do? Well, first of all, she hung up on me. <laughs> first, she hung up. And then she called back and she said, so what do you want to do about it? And I said, well, I can't have a baby. I mean, I'm, what? And she said, okay, I got to call you back. The next day, she called me back. She says, you're gonna take a bus down to your uncle's house who lives in Atlanta, so forth and so on. They didn't set it up. This is what you're gonna do. I said, okay. So I took the bus down to Atlanta. My uncle had to take me to the abortion clinic. My uncle had to take me. It's funny now, but it wasn't funny then. And it's, it's funny because This is not something, and he was a good uncle, I mean, I grew up with him, I knew him, but he had to be there with me. Not my aunt, she went to work. So, he takes me the next day. I will spare you the gory details, but it was terrible. I want you to know, it was not one of those situations like an in and out. I was 18, right? Let's fast forward two years. So, I fooled off in school, my mom said, You're getting out. We're not paying for your college because you're fooling out. You're just messing up. But I stayed and I worked, you know, doing my thing, hustling, working. was dating somebody. Thought I was grown. Got pregnant again. Now I'm like 20, pushing 21. What you going to do? The world has said, you don't have to keep this child. You can do whatever you want to do. He said, I'll pay for it, right? So, Ooh. So I get another abortion. That's two.
1: Oh, yeah. Y'all think I wasn't still going
0: to church? You think I still wasn't praying? Cause I was. Going to every gospel concert. It don't mean nothing. No one was saying this is not what you should do. They said, go ahead. They said, it's okay. Right? So, now, let's fast forward a little bit. I'm dating my kid's dad at the time. I'm just going to go ahead and slip this right in. When we were dating, he was married. i just throw that out there. You know. You know what I tell people? I say, you know what? (laughs) You might not want to sit next to me if you knew the kind of stuff that I did, okay? And I did it with no conscience. His mother was a minister, she still is. She would pull up to the house (laughs) and say, I'm gonna pray for y'all, I'm gonna pray for y'all. We was like, whatever. Yeah, but <laughs> nevertheless, we did end up getting married, and I have Cameron and Devin praise God from that. Um, but before we got married, I got pregnant again. Now, this time we're together, we want, we want kids, but we didn't want them right then, but we wanted kids. But we were like, okay, it's okay. But then I had a miscarriage guilt. I mean, that thing came quick. I began to question God, and I said, so now am I not going to be able to have kids? Am I never going to have children because of what I did? That's shame. I thought I would never have kids. I thought I had scarred my body, and I would never have kids. But guess what? Minister Al, can you read Galatians 6, chapter, chapter 6, verses 1 through 6? And before you read that, I want you to know that in our spiritual and our mental autopsy, the tool of choice is truth. Okay, go ahead, minister. (laughs)
1: Galatians chapter 6 at verse 1. Brethren, if any person is overtaken in misconduct, or sin of any sort, you who are spiritual, who are responsive to and controlled by the Spirit, should set him right and restore and reinstate him without any sense of superiority and with all gentleness, keeping an attentive eye on yourself, lest you should be tempted also. Verse 2, bear, endure, carry one another's burdens and troublesome moral faults, and in this way fulfill and observe perfectly the law of Christ, the Messiah, and complete what is lacking in your obedience to it. For if any person thinks himself to be somebody too important to condescend, to shoulder another's load, when he is nobody of superiority except in his own estimation. He deceives and deludes and cheats himself. But let every person carefully scrutinize and examine and test his own conduct and his own work. He can then have the personal satisfaction and joy of doing something commendable in itself alone without resorting to boastful comparison with his neighbor. For every person will have to bear, be equal to understanding, and calmly receive his own little load of oppressive faults. Let him who receives instruction in the word of God share all good things with his teacher, contributing to his support.
0: So do you guys see the Samaritan woman in there? Did y'all see her? Can you see her? How she had to come out of that ridicule? She had to come out of that shame? And then when she had the truth, then she went out and she evangelized. So ask yourself, what can others learn from your mistakes? What are some things that caused death in your life? Now, you guys got the little card, right? It was essential to my life that I come here. I want you to know that literally people's lives are in the balance. If it were not for our pastor and our teacher, even in a most recent fall, I would have stayed in shame. I would have stayed there. I, want you, I would have stayed there. But they love and that's what I've seen it like I've seen it y'all know I'd be right that I've been watching them do it with other people but you again you have to go back to remember what I told you I thought that's not for me right so you have to tell yourself that it is for you that that forgiveness it is for you so You gotta find your detox process. You've got to identify the substance, your substance of choice. Sometimes your substance of choice is checking out. Sometimes your substance of choice is laughing and making jokes. Sometimes your substance of choice is bringing all the attention to you. Sometimes your substance of choice is hiding. Sometimes your substance of choice is serving. Let me tell you, it, it can be, it has been my substance of choice. Because when you serve, then people think that's vainglorious. Then you think, well, she's doing the right thing because she's serving. Sometimes your substance of choice is hidden in your talents. You're like, I'm here to help you. I got a good voice. Let me sing. Right? I have all these gifts and talents. Let me use that. What is your substance of choice? So, Minister B is gonna play a song. I'm gonna go out with this. I'd like you to take your card. And I would like for you to listen to the words of this song because it's gonna let you know that shame is not where you should be. And there is freedom, and it's available. And so I want you to write on that card, one, two, three, whatever, things on there that you know you need to detox. What are your substances of choice that you need God to come in and to cleanse for you? You cannot do it yourself. You cannot do it yourself. I tried, I've tried it with everything. Those of us that do a lot of things, and we do a lot of things well, right? It's easy for us to think that we can do it on our own, but we can't. So today, I hope that you know me a little better, right? And I hope you love me a little more because I love y'all. Amen.